When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio, Oilers. 630 Chad. Everyone in oil country is well aware of what Doug Waite could do as a player. Now you're finding out what he can do as a coach. Since taking over behind the bench of the New York Islanders, the team has gone 14-6-3, including a 4-1 win tonight at Rogers Place over the Oilers. Thanks a lot for joining us, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Center. It's 9:42, along with our Inside the Game analyst Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. The Islanders pulling away in this one. They took a 2-1 lead at 9:45 of the second period. Scored twice in the third, including an empty netter by Anders Lee, who had two goals tonight, taking him up to 25 on the season. Zach Cassian had the only goal for Edmonton tonight. And Rob, you know, the Oilers had chances, I I thought, especially in the first half of the game. Once the Islanders got up 2-1, and you always call it the house, that area right in your own slot, I I thought they did a great job defending the house. I mean, there was a McDavid rush. He He got forced outside, took it behind the net, and by the time he emerged looking for someone to pass to, there were five, all five Islanders were collapsed inside the hash marks in front of their own net. They just denied the Oilers that area of the ice. Well, and then you you look, another example of that is when the Oilers had the power play in the third period, they were shooting every chance they had. Back to the point, cleft bomb again and again and again, and nothing was getting through. The Oilers did a good job getting pucks towards the net. The Islanders did a better job of blocking shots and you know the, the Islanders got their lead they got their their breaks and they put the puck in the net when they did but when it became a, a game where they had to protect they got much better the, the the Islanders got better as the game went along the Oilers lost this game when they didn't capitalize on their chances early in the game and you only get so many golden opportunities and the Oilers had a number of them when those didn't go in the net all of a sudden the Islanders have a big sigh of relief they've weathered a storm and now they can start coming forward. And the Oilers played a very good road game. Three chances that the Oilers had, you know, come come to my mind. In the third period, uh, Sekra with about five minutes left in the slot. Grice, an incredible toast. I mean, that hit the very last part of his skate that it could have hit to, uh, to go wide. In the second period, two chances when it was still 1-1, Rob. McDavid sets up Maroon and Thomas Hickey didn't give up on the play able to get his stick on it and deflect it wide and then about three minutes after that McDavid to Leon from a sharp angle and again Grice staying with it I mean he didn't just put his pad over there got his arm over it as well and got that last little bit of the glove on it yeah I mean a little bit of uh, unluckiness for for Maroon he does everything he's supposed to he puts the puck on net as, as soon as it gets to his stick and Hickey just throws a stick throw anything in the way hoping that something gets a piece of it and it did and then the other one Grice is just we, we talk about a lot of the time when Talbot reads a play and understands where the puck is going so that he gets his body in position. Grice did that one on that one. He, he read the play. He got over to where Leon was. And, and Leon, again, it was a one-timer. It was on and off his stick. And Grice comes over and makes a big save. Either of those pucks go in the net. The Oilers, that would be two straight goals. They got momentum going their way. It doesn't. And now that's the, the big sigh of relief that the, the Islanders had at that point. And after that shift, the Islanders started getting better and better as the game went on. 
Grice now 4-0-2 against the Oilers in his career with a goals against average barely over one. So for, for whatever reason, he's done very well against Edmonton. 4-1, the Islanders take it tonight. Josh Hosang fired home his first career goal. That was a power play goal by the Islanders in the first period. His special teams were big tonight. The Islanders go 1-for-1 one one on the power play. The Oilers 0-for-2, and uh, the Oilers penalty killing. They didn't have to kill a penalty last game. The, one, the penalty McDavid took was right at the end, so they were never actually shorthanded. Uh, the Oilers have only killed three of their last eight shorthanded situations. Yeah, I mean, and it's costing them points in the standings. I mean, the, the, tonight's the Hosang goal, it, it was just two, two little mistakes that don't usually cost you. But tonight they did. They, they they didn't take the pass coming across for the one time, so they didn't get in a passing lane, and they didn't get in the shooting lane. And Hosang, uh, who we don't know a whole lot about other than the number and the things that he's <laughs> talked about, uh, shows that he's got some ability. And that was an absolute bomb. And when you watch the replay, you see Talbot actually surprised the pucks behind him. like, oh, my goodness, it was here that quickly. He doesn't see anything coming in. So uh, the Oilers need to get their penalty killing better. Uh, they understand that. They know that. And when you've got uh, a team like Pittsburgh coming in and the talented players that they have, you do not want to be taking any foolish penalties. And you certainly want to be much sharper than they have been the last few games. That's our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. 4-1, the Islanders knock off the Oilers tonight. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. And we have Greg to start us off this evening. Hey, Greg, go ahead. Greg, do we have you? Okay, I guess we don't have Greg. We'll, uh, Kellen will try to connect this as the Islanders win at 4-1. We'll have post-game reaction coming up in a few minutes uh, as well. So the Oilers 1-1, one and one, two games into an eight-game homestand. And, uh, you know, we mentioned Anders Lee scoring twice tonight. Andrew Ladd had the other goal. John Tavares, who gets a couple more points tonight. Now, Rob, for uh, the Islanders' leading score in his last 19 games, he has 21 points. And, He's he's a fun player to watch. The way he can sort of just take command of the rush. Uh, he, he's strong. He's like Connor McDavid. He's a skilled player that can can defend guys off. He makes smart plays. Look at all the number of players that the Islanders have had over the few, last few years that have had career years playing with John Tavares. And then when it's time for a contract, the Islanders push those guys off and bring two two new guys in. He's had a number of different line mates, yet seems to have success with any of them. Had a little bit of a slow start to this season. Has been playing very well of late. And I would think a coach like Dougie Waite will help a player like John Tavares because they both played similar type of games. They both were very heady, had good vision on the ice, able to make the players around them better. So I think John Tavares is going to have a lot of success now that Doug Waite's taken over as the coach. Thomas Hickey gets a couple of points tonight. We mentioned the two goals by... Lee, the uh, Oilers' goal was Cassian from Benning and Kajula. Uh, you know, oddly enough, the Oilers have been doing poorly in the face-off circle. They actually have the edge tonight at 56%, so it shows you how uh, sometimes that can work. Nugent Hopkins, uh, 58%, and Latestu, 78% tonight. He went 7 for 9, but not enough for Edmonton. When a team's doing what the Islanders did, and and, and, don't, and obviously they were attacking as, as yep. well, don't get me wrong, they weren't just you know sitting there trying to, uh, you know, 
just be outshot but still win by a goal. But when a team is, is playing that well with that commitment to taking away the dangerous area of the ice, what do the Oilers or a team that's in that situation have to do to try to get some better looks? Well, I, I, first of all, keep firing the puck. Uh, I tell you, if you block two, three, four, five shots every shift, eventually it's going to take a toll on your players. You know, the, every time I was watching them as they went back to the bench, they're, they're all bending over, holding on to something, calling the train over, getting a little spray, trying to take away the, uh, the pain, the sharpness of the pain from the shot that they just blocked. So continue to put pucks on net. Sometimes you do the opposite. You get scared, all of a sudden they block that, then you start overpassing, and then you're not creating anything. So when you shoot a puck on net, and you, these guys shoot 80, 90, 100 miles an hour, mm-hmm. and it hits somebody, it's not always going to stop dead. Sometimes that deflection is going to deflect in the right place for you. So I think the Oilers did do a lot of the right things when they tried creating by throwing pucks on net. The problem was the Oilers got caught sometimes going too much forward, and the transition of the Islanders caught them. And there was a number of odd man breaks going the other way. So I think at times puck maintenance and, and reading the situation weren't great for the Edmonton Oilers tonight, and it cost them. 4-1 Islanders win it. All right, let's try Greg again on line one. Greg, you're on overtime open line. Go ahead. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yes, we got you now. Okay, so, Reed, first of all, I want to say you need to extend your uh, inside sports show by an hour so that I can listen to it on my way home from work. Um, the other thing I want to say is, uh, Darren, hey, do you see how tiny he looks when uh, when he goes to celebrate the goal there with Maroon and stuff? That's, that's, it, it's funny, but the thing I want to say, and this is kind of something that's bothered me for a while, is some of the fans, uh, and not just at, at Rogers' place, but all over the NHL, when they stand up in the corners because the camera's on them, it drives me absolutely nuts. Sit down so the other fans can see the game. You're not cool. You're not. You're not doing anything. Like just sit down and let other people enjoy the game. So that's very frustrating. And I just want to hear what your guys' opinion on that is. Were you Were you at the game, or is this from watching on TV? Ah, uh, well, I've been at the game, and and we have pretty decent seats. But the, but when people stand up in the corners, and like when I'm with my son there, and not not and not only that, like some of the language, but that's nor here nor there. But standing up in front of the, uh, in front of you just to be on TV when you're a grown man come on now watch the game and enjoy the game well, we, we don't know much about that because our, our views are pretty unobstructed up here in the eighth story <laughs> well, well, of Rogers. Greg, Greg can deliver the message. That's great. That's great. Fan talking to fan. No, we appreciate that, that Greg, for sure. Uh, David Darnay is uh, is a little guy. Yeah. Uh, he didn't play as much tonight. He only, he only played uh, 10 minutes and 40 seconds um, this evening. I, I, and, and, again, I, I for, for that line, like most of the Oilers, uh, Probably better first twenty-five to thirty minutes than uh, uh, than second thirty. Deharnay was in on the goal. He he forechecked and helped keep the puck free, and eventually Kajula got it back to Benning. Yeah, it was a good shift by that line, but. You start thinking about the other shifts that Lions had, try and think of another good, yeah. quali- and they didn't. I, I, the, the McDavid line was very good, very dangerous. The Nugent Hopkins line, I thought, had a, a number of good offensive shifts, and then that was it. There was a drop-off, and the Islanders came in, played a perfect road game. They got the lead, and once they got the lead, then they became a very good defensive team, as you said, protecting the house, blocking shots. If there was no, uh, no play, off the glass and out. I, I don't remember a number of Islander giveaways. 
I don't remember the Oilers being able to capitalize on uh, on an Islander turning the puck over or having bad puck management. And that shows you a team that's starting to mature. And this Islander team is uh, is a team that I think has the the ability to be that team to get in the eighth playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. I think you're led by a star in Johnny Tavares, and now you've got a coach that is letting them play and getting them to play the right way. All right, Islanders win at 4-1. Oilers coach is Todd McClellan. Here he is, courtesy of GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Todd, I think watching the game, it didn't look like a bad game from your team, but from the coaching of the game. Well, I can probably summarize it. They got a power play goal. We didn't. Um, They chose to block a lot of shots in power play situations. We didn't. They scored a blue paint or a playoff-type goal. We didn't. It wasn't for lack of opportunities in and around that area. They bared down, and we had numerous opportunities at open nets and didn't bear down. Um, they scored in an outnumbered situation for their third goal, a quick two-on-one at the net. We had numerous outnumbered rushes where we got too cute, and it led to a number of turnovers. And I think the giveaway or turnover ratio was two to one, probably in in our favor. So they did a lot of the things they needed to do to get a, a three or four-one win. Uh, we didn't. Pretty simple. Uh, Team not physically sharp enough or mentally sharp enough? I think it's a combination of both. One goes with the other. We, you know, we saw opportunities for breakaways where we didn't handle the puck. We saw two on one. We had a two on one. We chose not to even shoot the puck. We had, uh, as I mentioned earlier, a number of three on twos uh, where maybe we made that first pass and never got the shot off. We did. We weren't sharp. Were you worried about that a little bit this morning? You mentioned the Islanders are desperate, and you had to make sure your team. Was- yep. Um, and, and they were, you know, if there's a meter or some way or, uh, of measuring it or a gauge, uh, I would suspect that they would come out on the top. And, and we weren't terrible, like you said. We, we created numerous chances, but it was like we were going to get five more of those, and they never arrived again. They, uh, they choked us off after they got the lead. And, um, you know, if you don't bear down on that one opportunity you get, it may not come for another ten games, and then you're in the shit. So, uh, bear down. See you tomorrow. Oh, Jonesy. Go ahead. I was going to ask a question. Uh, away from the game and onto more of a big picture, there's an interesting note in the in the pregame notes about Dreisaitl, and uh, I think he's four points short of uh, uh, Marco Sturm's NHL record for a German. Uh, can you talk about the kind of player that, uh, that Leon has been uh, considering his, you know, that international background. I mean, well, he's yeah. North American as I've seen for that age. You know, I think in the past there's been um, some pretty good German players that have, have uh, migrated their way over here and played well in the National League, but it, it's, it's dried up a little bit lately. Leon seems to be the next wave, leading that, that country a little bit. And uh, it's something they should be proud of, something he should be proud of. I know that he takes it, uh, um, you know, he takes it personal when it comes to that type of stuff. And for as good as he is for us, he's that good for his country as well. All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. We apologize for a bit of a naughty word that got through there, but I I think it was a fair description of the game as uh, he was talking about it. And, you know, Todd has often said the game might come down to five or six shifts 
You just don't know which ones they're going to be. And, you know, the Oilers did have chances to make some shifts earlier in the game, maybe be the ones that make the difference if you get up 2 nothing or 3-1. But they didn't, and then the shifts were available for the Islanders to, to make the difference. Oh, they did, and he made some good points, too, about certain plays that don't seem real important but as you say those sh- plays in those shifts become the difference in the game the, the Oilers not getting and we talked about it at the end of the uh, right after the Islanders scored their power play goal the Oilers didn't get in a shooting lane when they were shorthanded puck was in the net on a goalie that screened uh, you go the opposite and we talked about it too that the Oilers numerous pucks to the net on their power play especially in the third period that just continued to get blocked 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 so those are two shifts on two power plays one where the Oilers didn't block didn't get into a shooting lane and then the back the other way the Islanders do a very good job of it and it's might might seem insignificant being a foot or two to the left or right but that is the difference of a puck getting through and a puck getting blocked. And the Islanders were much better tonight of protecting the house than the Edmonton Oilers were. So 4-1, the Islanders win it. That means a $25 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. It comes from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They give $25 for every Oilers goal all season. The total now $4,650. All right, 780-496-0063 is the phone number. Robert is up next but robert we're gonna we want to give you more time we got a news and weather break coming up here we'll uh, let you know if it's ever going to warm up i hope so worst worst part of the winter right at the end apparently uh we're going to hear from doug Waite as well incredible pop uh, incredibly popular former oilers player now as we mentioned earlier doing a great job behind the bench for the new york islanders milan lucic part of our post-game reaction as well the oilers come up short as a matter of fact they've I've been doing great against the East this season. Now just 13-14-2 and two against that conference on the year. And I don't know what's going on on Tuesdays because the Oilers are 3-9-2 and two on Tuesdays. Well, I, I went mean, back and checked. Well, you can certainly next year just have no Tuesday games. I I'm say sure the building's have, not available. Yeah, just tell the... Well, actually, it's pretty easy. Just book a concert every right. Tuesday at Rogers. <laughs> Islanders win it 4-1. We're back after the news. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's shipped up the middle, and here come the Islanders. Maybe a two-on-one, but Lee doesn't have the speed. Twisted in front, back in and a nine. What a play by Lee, and Bailey stopped by Cam Talbot. That was the New York Islanders' first shot of the game. Seven minutes into the first period, it's Cam Talbot's save of the game for Armor Insurance. Complete a free quote for a $10 Tim card at armorinsurance.ca. The Islanders do go on to win it 4-1 tonight. Hosang his first career goal. Lee scored twice. Ladd had the other one. Cassian, the only goal for Edmonton this evening. Thanks for joining us. It's 10.06. Overtime open line, Rogers Place, Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, and we have Robert at 780-496-0063. Hi, Robert. Hi, Reed. Hi, Rob. How are you guys doing tonight? Very good, thank you. I just had a, I just had, I just had a, had a, had a couple comments tonight. First one being being on the on the game tonight. I don't think I don't I don't think the Oilers played as bad as the four one score might reflect. I think it was just. Just a lack of a lack of finish around the net that hurt them tonight. Yeah, I agree. I think there were times where the Oilers, I mean, they they had the pressure on. They had the uh, in zone offense going, 
and they had a number of glorious scoring opportunities that they weren't able to capitalize on. And then all of a sudden, the Islanders come down, they get their one chance, and you're like, okay, that's just not fair. The Oilers have been all over them, and all of a sudden, the Islanders take the lead. Having said that, the Islanders, uh, wh- they bared down on their chances. And when they got the lead, they became very good at defending the lead. Yeah, no, uh, no, no. And my other, uh, oh, and, uh, my other thought is uh, is relating to the uh, the next game on Friday against Pittsburgh. You think think there's there's much that the Oilers need to change if they're if they're going to have a chance to win that game? Uh, they have to ch- a couple things. One, they got to be much better on their penalty killing. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, when you throw a Crosby and a Malkin and and a Castle at you, and you're you're as we've said earlier, <laughs> struggling on your power on your penalty killing, you could find yourself in big trouble because the Islanders are good. The Penguins are the best in the world right now, uh, as being the Stanley Cup champion. So the penalty killing has to be better, and they've got to have better execution. Yeah, the uh, the Oilers had a number of good scoring chances. If you get those, and they're probably not going to get as many against the Penguins, you got to take advantage of the ones that you get. Those two things, and the third one, better puck management. The Oilers turned the puck over a number of times tonight, which created two-on-ones going the other way. The Islanders probably had seven odd man breaks tonight. Now, the the Islanders have some good hockey players, but if you have an odd man break against the Pittsburgh Penguins, if you're giving them up to Crosby, to Malkin, to Kessel, to Hornquist, you're going to find yourself at the the wrong end of a 5-6-1 score. So those things they got to get better at and just play with the desperation they need to play against. Yeah, well, 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 I got uh, one last one last thought here it's regarding uh, how what's uh, how, how many wins do you think they need out of their final sixteen games to clinch a playoff spot? Yeah, well, I mean, in all honesty, I don't think there's there's a, a worry of making the playoffs. The, I believe the Oilers are making the playoffs right now. It's home ice advantage. The Anaheim Ducks have come back. They were losing 3-1 to Nashville. If they win tonight, they're tied with the Edmonton Oilers in the standings. And the hottest team in the National Hockey League, or one of them, is the Calgary Flames, who are, what are they behind the Oilers now? Two points. So those three teams are battling for home ice in the first round of the playoffs. You do not want to fall out of second or third in your conference. If I'm the Oilers, I want to play either Calgary or Anaheim in the first. I do not want to play against San Jose, and I do not want to play against either Minnesota or Chicago, not who the wild card teams are going to play against. So I think it's vital that the Oilers put together a nice little streak here in March with this great schedule that they have and take advantage of it so that they come second or third in their division to allow them to have a much better first-round playoff team to play against. Yeah, I should update the the standings here uh, because we're, we get asked that every game. The Oilers have 78. The Ducks have 76 with the possibility to get 78 tonight. It's 3-3 after two. Calgary has 76. Then St. Louis is the second wildcard team with 71. And then the Kings have 68. I mean, realistically, it's going to be extremely difficult for the L.A. Kings to, to pass uh, the Edmonton Oilers, and plus St. Louis, Calgary, and Anaheim would all have to pass the Oilers. So, uh, I mean, even if the Oilers get half their points, if they get 16 out of the 32 points, uh, or pardon me, they got, uh, yeah, they got 16 games left. So 16 so, points. So, 30, so if they get half their points, that gets them up to 94, which would get them in. Would it get them home ice? Highly unlikely. If they can get you know, 20 out of 36 points get up to 98? Well, maybe. And they, play, they play Anaheim, so... 98's a good season. Yeah. A very, very good season. But it may season. not get your home ice advantage. That's the, that's, how, that's how hard it is, right? Yeah, well, and 
you've got to get hot at the right times, and the Calgary Flames have done that. They've gotten hot right now. I mean, they, they did not look good for a long stretch, and if you think about it, if you take away the eight points they took away from the Oilers, they've had more success against the rest of the league than Edmonton has. Right, so, that's a good point. So it, it's going to be fun, and to me, I, I'm excited about it. I, I mean, don't worry about the loss tonight. It's one and done. But let's get excited about what the final 16 games brings to Edmonton and what it brings here at Rogers and the excitement about talking about playoffs, talking about playoff matches, possible home home game in the uh, for game one of the playoffs, what it's going to be like in the building. I know there's 16 games left. You could be nervous, but I prefer to be excited because I think the playoffs are coming to Edmonton. And let's start enjoying this as we go down a, uh, the stretch here with a number of games here on home ice. 4-1, the Islanders win. No Japanese Village goal light tonight. The Oilers have to score five or more in a game for us to turn that on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer, Japanese Village, downtown south side and north side. Doug Waite, 14-6-3 as the Islanders coach. Here he is, courtesy of Challenge Insurance Group, Challenge Creative opportunity we provide yeah, solutions yeah uh that's a good good sign you don't like to have to do that too many times but uh it is a good sign we we were fast we were really good in the neutral zone uh bottling up the the area and moving our feet and we had some really good ozone uh you know they're a dangerous team so obviously tommy was good uh, between the pipes, he made some big saves at uh, one nothing at two to, two to one. Uh, crowd was waiting to get into it, and one of those goes in. It's it's, it's you know you can tell it's going to be a tough building to play in, but uh, the guys really played well in their own zone, um, quick and physical, and and Tommy made the saves when he had to, and we you know we it's a great play from Brock to get that two goal lead over the over the ladder. Exceptional, I thought he had a great game. I thought a lot of guys had a great game. It was a good uh, good road win. A couple of your young guys were out. You know, you can't control those those line changes. And Bo's out there against McDavid or Alex out there. They seem to hold their own for you. Yeah, I felt good about it. And, and I think when Princey went down, you know, we've had a lot of hockey. I, I kind of I was going three lines a little bit. And uh, they were playing well. Bo played well. Uh, I thought Stromy was really, really good today. Um, the old guys, the young guys, I thought everybody played well. So I really felt good. Even Josh, like Josh was good today, man. He got his first goal, but uh, he made some good decisions. And, uh, again, he's playing smart defensively. He got the puck in when he needed to. And, uh, you know, I really didn't have too much angst about having anybody out there. But I was trying to trying to manage it as, as well as I could. What do you think? It's a good shot. Yeah, it was a huge goal, too, because just to get you out of the gates after a loss, and I think uh, you get some swagger in your game, and uh, those first goals are big. So it was big for him. It was nice to see, and uh, it certainly led to a a big game for us. And getting the power play goal, too, I think we've been uh, three, four games here where we've had some opportunities, but, you know, you need results. So uh, it was uh, was a big one. Yeah, it's... uh, you know, I'm not going to go too far. It's not doesn't look that great though. Uh, he got a good twist on his uh, on his leg there, and you know, didn't look good on the video. And I don't think he's feeling too good. So hopefully, it's better than we think. But I believe he'll probably be uh, going back to see somebody. Uh, I can't give you 100% of that, but it didn't look that great. 
All right, Shane Prince he's talking about there who got injured tonight, only played six and a half minutes before getting hurt, but his New York Islanders do knock off the Edmonton Oilers 4-1. That was head coach Doug Waite. 780-496-0063. We'll say hello to Merv. Merv, thank you very much for calling. Hi. Hey, go ahead. Uh, yeah, congratulations to Doug Waite for a big fan of the Oilers, so I, I watched him play for the years that he was here. Um, just a couple things I'd like to mention. I didn't find that the Oilers got their nose dirty like they should. Players like Lucic and Maroon, you know, like there was four big hits against Oilers players and no response. The only big hit that was came from Matt Hendricks. Well, that that's not true because Maroon actually knocked the defenseman Pellick out of the game. Broke, I, well, I don't know if to say broke skull, but his shoulder or collarbone injury. The kid never came back after a huge hit by Maroon. I mean, could the Oilers have been more physical? Yes, but they, I mean, the Oilers out-hit the New York Islanders 34-19. So they out-hit them almost 2-1. to one. Well, I guess my point is that when that hit against McDavid, there was no immediate response, no. But anyway, um, I thought that that was a big part of the game and that, and that um, you know, New York, was able to feel confident after that. Sure. What else do you have for us, Murph? Um, just getting in and getting your nose dirty in front of the net and taking the shots when they're available. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I mean, that's a Rob and I have talked. Thanks for calling about that. It the the Islanders were making it difficult for the Oilers to get mm-hmm. to the front of the net. Uh, absolutely. So I think you got to give New York some credit there as well. Um, passing up sh- shots, that's been an ongoing uh, complaint we've got from listeners this year, Rob. Oh, it has. Uh, you've got your, your best two players both think pass first. Uh, both uh, McDavid and Drysaddle would rather pass the puck. And as a as a fan, you're you're thinking in your head, shoot, and you're yelling, shoot. Yet they're they're trying to make their teammates better. I think as they mature as hockey players, they're going to start realizing that when they shoot, it'll create more pa- chances to pass because now they're going to respect the shot first. I talked earlier about it, Thomas Grice getting in front and reading the play and, and, and knowing that the puck was going to dry settle. Well, one of the reasons that goaltenders are able to read plays because they see a lot of video. And in the video they watch, okay, when Connor McDavid has it, 95% of the time he's passing. He wants to pass first. So goalies sometimes cheat. Defensemen sometimes cheat. As they mature as players, both Drysaddle and McDavid, they'll start shooting more. And when they shoot more, the next time they come down, now the players are going to have to respect the shot, which will open up passing lanes. Having said that, with the season that both of them are having, I don't know if you can harp on it too much as one of them is leading the league in scoring and the other one is having a career year. All right, the Oilers fall 4-1 tonight to the New York Islanders. You're going to hear from Milan Lucic. We have Al and Todd as our next two callers. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. Encore Trucking. We are the problem solvers. We own the largest knuckle boom in the province, 45 picker trucks, and a fleet of tracked mini cranes. Got a tough lift? Call Encore. EncoreTrucking.ca. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 
4-1, the Islanders beat the Oilers tonight. Rob Brown here as well. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 10-22. The Oilers' next game will be Friday when they take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's going to be a good one. 780-496-0063. We'll bring in Al to the show. Al, thank you so much for calling. Hi, thank you very much. Listen, I totally agree with what Rob was saying regarding the uh, uh, the kind of uh, passing that uh, uh, not only just uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid are doing, because you have the defensemen are reading it to, to play, and so is the goalie. They know they're going to pass. But they're going to have to start uh, eliminating that here very shortly because it's going to run out of time. It's going to catch up to them unless they start getting down uh, and, and, and shooting that puck. You know, because either way, you know, we're, we're, they could have had a lot more points, a lot more goals had they not held on to that pup. And just they're, they're, they're overpassing trying to make that perfect play. I, I'd like to see, and I agree with Rob, I'd, I'd like to see them shoot the puck a little bit more and see what gets created with the guys bashing the net and making those greasy goals. If there's a rebound that comes out, but... If uh, McDavid and uh, Drysaddle start shooting that puck, especially when they're as close as they are to the net, I think that that's going to create a whole bunch of more uh, chaotic uh, uh, circumstances for the opposition to try and, you know, to try and shut them down. But that's, that I'm hoping that sooner than later they start, uh, you know, grasping that situation, and I hope the coaching staff will really start by barking on it. Well, because you know they just they they you, you must admit they are one team. That just overpasses way too much. Well, you know what, Al? Then they, they have worked at that on practice at times this year when they've had trouble scoring about being closer to the net and jamming at those chances. And it wasn't a rebound tonight, but how did Cassian score? Where was he standing? Well, yeah, either those deflections will help. You know, anything, anything getting to the, towards the net. Sometimes not overpassing it, getting it to the net, shooting it to the net from almost any angle. You never know when it's going to go in. But they're trying to they're trying to pass in front of the net to a guy open in the slot, and too many passes they get intercepted. It's cleared out of their end. They start over again. Then they get themselves in their little sequences and they start passing the puck back and forth. And twenty passes later, they still haven't got a good shot on net. So I'm just hoping that they'll sort of uh, you know because it's getting crunch time. They're going to have to start shooting these pucks. Otherwise, they're going to find themselves behind the eight ball like they did tonight. Yeah. Well, so I, I'm hoping that they start, uh, you know, maybe the coaches are going to see this and go, look at boys, enough is enough. And I, I can't understand why, you know, why they're not shooting at those times. Um, sometimes, you know what, you, you got to sit down and you go, the coach has got to tell you, boys, I want you to start being well, a little bit more selfish. Yeah, I th- well, I think that will be part of the discussion, Al, and that's one of those reminders uh, Todd McClellan talks about uh, at times, and that's, you know, clearly tonight they need to get the puck to the net a little more, especially in the second half of the but game. But you also, in the players' defense, it's much easier to see it from the stands, from the press box, from the bench even, what's open and what's not open. When you've got the puck on your stick and you've got, you, there's guys all around here, all six foot two, 230-pound guys coming at you hard, goalie looks big, sometimes you don't see the same thing that a fan sees. Uh, I do agree that they, they, they need to shoot more. And you, could, you can go and watch any game on the television at night, 
and you can watch, say, watch Anaheim, watch Nashville, watch Pittsburgh, and you can find times where you say, why did he not shoot? Right. So it, it's not just the Edmonton Oilers that do that. Skilled players like to make skilled plays, and sometimes they don't look at the, 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 the easiest play, which is the shot on net. Sometimes you got to realize that instead of trying to pass it through a guy going sideways, throw it on net. And if there's a rebound, your guy's going forward, and he's going to get the puck the same way. So they, the, the players are told this. The coaching staff stresses this in practice. The coaching staff has video and, and, and shows the guys video. So this isn't anything new to any of the players on this team. Just want to quickly check the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard before we finish the play with Todd. Ducks and Predators tied 3-3 with 12 minutes left. Anaheim dominating the game, though, territorially. The Canucks just scored, so they're 1-1 with the Habs with four minutes left. The Blue Jackets beat the Devils 2-0. Flyers over the Sabres 6-3. The Leafs hold off the Red Wings 3-2. The Rangers dump the Panthers 5-2. Henrik Lundqvist career win number 404 to pass Grant Fewer for 10th all-time in the NHL. Blues over the Wild 2-1. Avalanche beat the Hurricanes 3-1. And, of course, here in Edmonton, Islanders 4 Oilers won. All right, we have Todd on the line. Todd, first of all, give us your thought or your question, and then we'll finish the play with you, man. Hey, guys, you there? Yeah, can you just turn your radio down if you can, Todd? Yeah, we turned it down. Uh, sorry, you. I missed that, guys. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Good to talk so to I just you. Wanted to make, yeah, so I want to make a, uh, make a couple comments there, and then uh, we'll go for the play of the day there. Actually, I lost last time, so I need some redemption, but I just kind of want to pick up on what Al was saying, and, and I guess from the perspective of a fan, you watch some of those plays they make. You look for uh, those players to shoot. You think they have a shooting opportunity, you know, and they don't shoot. Fans get upset. But you know what? It's those small plays in front of the net that are scoring the goals. You look at the game on Saturday night, for example. The other thing that they're doing, making those plays in front of the and you can't criticize McDavid for making those plays. I mean, he's on a different level. You trust him, and Todd McClendon has said it. We trust him. He sees the puck. He sees the play in a totally different way than anybody else. But what they're doing is driving to the net. Maroon was in front of the net on those missed opportunities, and those goals will come. So, you know, that whole argument, shoot, shoot, shoot. I mean, it's obviously a message they're getting through the players. They know. And, Browner, you know that, too. They watch film. That play happens so quickly, and the goalies are so good with their rebounds that – you know, you shoot from the outside and the perimeter, they're going to cover it up. What they should work on is getting pucks through to the net, and that's what they've been working on, and it's been effective. So I'm not too sure that we need to criticize the lack of shooting. I think they're doing the right thing. Those goals will come. But you can't score goals in the NHL, right? No, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy <laughs> scoring goals. You're absolutely right. All right, Todd, you ready to finish the play, buddy? I think so. If I can hear you, I'm ready. Okay, you uh, have already got an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set. We park. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. You're trying to be entered into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. And now the Islanders must reset. Oh, Hickey was just a race. <laughs> I love that call by... Uh, Jack Michaels, another body check one. Oh, this is going to be similar to the to the last game. Who delivered that hit? Was it Matt Hendricks or David DeHarnay? Ah, uh, that was Hendricks. And now the Islanders must reset. Oh, Hickey was just erased by Matt Hendricks, who, of course, maybe had the hit of the year on Sproul the other night against Detroit. 
Oh, there we go. Two uh, two in a row for Hendricks delivering a hit. So, Todd, there you go. You win, finish the play after having a, uh, I think I remember Todd's a few games ago. I think we stumped him, but he's in the win column tonight. All right, we got a break for a quick 10.30 news and weather break. You're going to hear from Milan Lucic when we get back. We have phone lines open, 780-496-0063. Islanders play a strong game, beat the Oilers 4-1. It's Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Terry Perandish Team Broadcast Centre. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Thanks for tuning in. It's 1034. It's the New York Islanders winning again under new head coach Doug Waite. 14-6-3 with him at the helm. They remain in a playoff position, both the Islanders and Toronto won tonight. So the Islanders remain a point ahead of the Leafs for the final playoff spot in the East. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reid Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. You can get us at 780-496-0063. The three stars tonight, first star Thomas Grice, the winning goaltender. He makes 27 saves. Zach Cassian, the only oiler to beat him, is the second star. Rookie Josh Hosang with his first NHL goal is the third star. The fourth star of the game presented by Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. I'm going to go with Andre Sakra, who had a strong game on the point for the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Played 22 minutes and was plus one. And he was firing away. Four shots on goal, three more blocked, and another one missed the net. And that one that uh, missed the net, about 620 left. He was that one, that was one of the few open opportunities the Oilers had in the third period. And I don't know if it was a roll. It must have been a rolling puck or something because that really flew high and wide. Well, he was jumping in the play all night long. Actually, the the pairing of him and Benning were were jumping in. They got out a lot late in the game with the McDavid line. They were jumping up in the play, uh, not afraid to to create an odd man rush by by getting up. So he was good. Unfortunately, they weren't able to capitalize on the number of chances they had when he was on the ice. And he had that other chance about a minute after that wide shot. That that was an awesome save by Grice. I mean, Secker mm-hmm. got right in there, slid it low. I think got the shot where he wanted. And had Grice leaning the the right way. That was a great athletic play to get the left leg up. Well, uh, he had a strong game. I mean, if you want to win in the National Hockey League, if your goaltender plays better than the other teams, you usually win. And tonight, Grice did. I mean, Talbot was okay, but Grice was exceptional. All right. Milan Lucic, his postgame remarks for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Not a lot, but you spoke of just this time of the year and these kinds of games, and I wonder where you kind of think it maybe went the wrong way tonight for the team. Uh, you know, uh, I think some mental mistakes uh, is what cost us today, and uh, you know, you got to be sharp, especially this time of year, and uh, a little preview, and I guess a little wake-up call on what the last uh, 16 games are going to be like, so uh, you know, yeah, it sucks to lose. You don't accept losing. You know, we weren't sharp. We weren't. Uh, I think the mental part of our game wasn't fully there. But you know, it's something that you need to turn the page on, learn from, and uh, get better uh, because uh, you know it gets tougher from from here on out. Like I said, a little preview of what uh, the rest of the uh, games are going to be like to end the season, and um, you know. When we get our chances, we got to bear down on them, and I think that was the difference tonight. They bear down on their chances, and uh, we did it on ours. Yeah, you know, that's what I was going to say. You guys had a number of chances. You didn't play a bad game. No, but read that small new cheech. All right, Brendan Ulrich working the Oilers dressing room tonight, and uh, 
You know, he sort of referenced the time of year it is, and Todd McClellan has brought it up a few times. And, and, you know, the, and you know, I guess this kind of fits into our, our topic of, of, of shot selection and, and going to the net and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Todd has called them playoff goals, right, mm-hmm. where they're not going to be on anybody's highlight reel except for the, the team that scores them if, if they win the game. I mean, he called out one uh, even back when they lost to Chicago 5-1. Remember Chicago? I can't remember who got it at the end of the game where the player almost fell into the net with the puck because mm-hmm. he was just doing everything he could to, to hold that position. Well, once playoffs start, that's what we see. It's, it's all ugly goals. They're just The room is just not out there to, to, to create things. The referees, although they're not supposed to, they put the whistles away. Uh, you're allowed a little more leeway with the, the clutching and the grabbing and the physical play. So you've got to pay a price to score come playoff time. And, and really, for a lot of the teams right now, it is playoff time. There's The New York Islanders, this is their playoffs. The last 16, 17 games, they're in a playoff race. And if they don't win more than the Toronto Maple Leafs, they don't get to go to the extra season. So the Edmonton Oilers are going to be playing a number of these teams. Another example is Pittsburgh comes to town. They're defending National, er, National Hockey League champions. They're having an exceptional year. But if the playoffs started today, they would start on the road. And that is uh, huge come playoff time to be able to get the line matching that you want. So all of these teams are playing for something right now. And it's important that the Oilers uh, learn from these games, uh, get better, and start appreciating the fact that where they are and what it takes to win at this time of the year. Got a text here from Randy who says, Tonight's Oilers team is not a playoff team. They better start shifting gears. And the experienced players like Lucic need to be more vocal in that area with the most playoff experience on the team. McDavid and Talbot have carried the Oilers most of the year. It's high time that others like Nugent Hopkins, Everly, and Lucic start being a scoring threat every time they're on the ice. Shoot the puck and hit the net 100% of the time. Too many teams are learning how to shut down McDavid's line Getting into the playoffs is one thing, but getting past the first round requires far more intensity than what the team showed tonight. The fans paid a lot of money, and this game was just not entertaining enough. Uh, shame on the Oilers players and coaches for not being better prepared against a desperate team. That's from Randy. Well, a lot of points in there. Um, I mean, tonight's game obviously left uh, some things to be desired. You're not going to hit the net 100% of the time, even if you are uh, if you are shooting more. The, the secondary scoring debate is, is another interesting one. I mean... Um, it's it's picked up Everly seven points in his last nine now. He he didn't get one tonight. That line has been better, but they weren't on the score sheet tonight. I I, I don't know if I agree that teams are figuring out how to He's leading the shut league down McDavid's so line. No. And he, you know, I mean, he had a five-game point streak coming into this game. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Islanders, uh, we talk a lot about details on this show, and Todd McClellan talks about it a lot. And again, I'll go back to uh, once it was two one Islanders, they were more detailed. Yes, they, 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 they committed more to performing those details. Well, the Oilers got away from some of the things that were they were doing in the first period and early in the second period when they were having some success. They got uh, away from the little dink uh, dump ins where you you put it past the defense, but then you, you race and, and create a four check. They started trying to force plays in the neutral zone, and when teams, almost every team in the National Hockey League, when they get the lead, they start clogging up the neutral zone, backing off their forecheck, forcing you to dump the puck in. If you don't dump the puck in, you're playing into their hands because you turn the puck over and now they're gone the other way. And that's how the Islanders started getting those odd man breaks. Uh, The Oilers' puck management was not good tonight. Not good enough. Their uh, blue paint 
area of the of the ice in both ends wasn't good enough. The Islanders, uh, you know, the 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 goal that Ladd scored, the 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 Oilers lost their man in the blue paint. The goal that Hosang scored from the the blue line, there was a screen in front of the net. So obviously the Oilers didn't do a good enough job clearing the front of the net for Talbot to see the shot. And in the other end, the Oilers didn't capitalize on their blue paint opportunities. So that was another area that the, the, the Islanders were better. And at the end of the night, the details, as you talk about, were the difference. And that's why the Islanders walk out of here with two points. 4-1, the final, 780-496-0063. We have Greg on the line. Greg, good to hear from you. Hey, Reed. Hey, uh, Rob. How's everything? Things are great. Okay. So my point is uh, simply about the hit that McDavid took. Um, to be honest, I did see the hit, but I didn't see whether uh, anyone or McDavid himself uh, responded to it. So I was... I, I hate to ask because I probably should watch the whole game before I call in, but um, I was wondering if either of you could answer that. i got to be honest with you. You're the second caller that's talked about a hit. I don't know what hit you guys are talking about. Well, what, I'm, uh, what I'm referring to is when it seemed that uh, McDavid was uh, bumped into uh, by the Islanders' bench. I saw that. Is, I Honestly, is, I, I can't comment on it at all because I didn't see it. I, I really didn't know. Is that something that... Were you at the game or were you watching on TV? Uh, on television. Okay, then they showed it on so television? They, they were probably showing it over and over yeah, again. See, yeah, see, we're... I'm, I am eight stories up here and... In, I, I did not see the hit, so I don't I don't know and I don't I don't know how I can really comment on it. Okay. I'm sorry right, about well, that. Fair enough. Do you mind if I finish my, uh, yep. what I want to say? It, it, you know what? It, you've got the floor. Okay, thank you. Uh, my point is simply that... Um, you know, hockey is a game where it's all about skill and finesse, but also it's about toughness. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that McDavid turn into a brawler or anything. Um, I mean, the Oilers have, they have tough guys who can, who can take care of that. Um, however, I think McDavid, I think he needs to respond to any... He needs to show that he can respond to any aggression towards him. Um, it, it really is that simple. It's got to be tough if you're only 20 years old and the face of a franchise. But, you know, in this world, it's a dog-eat-dog world. And, like, David, uh, he can do it. And that's what I wanted to say. You know, I, honestly, I think he does respond. And he responds by continuing to go... Through, through the middle of the ice, continuing to drive drive uh, to the net, not with no fear. Uh, I don't think Connor McDavid, if Connor McDavid drops his gloves, I think someone on the Edmonton Oilers should tackle him before the fight starts. He did it in junior, broke his hand, and missed half a season. We saw a few years ago where Taylor Hall, who was by far the Oilers' best player, gets into a fight and blows his knee out or near his ankle, I can't remember which one it was. That was his rookie year. Yeah, though. Connor McDavid doesn't do that. The reason you sign a Lucic, a Maroon, a Cassian, uh, a Nurse, it's to if there's something, a physical part of the game that needs to be taken care of, they do. We don't ask Cassian to score 70, 80, 90, 100 points. We don't ask him to lead the, the team and the league in scoring. So we don't ask Connor McDavid to go out there and, and respond by fighting or, 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 or going after somebody. He doesn't have to. Connor McDavid shows his toughness every time he steps on the ice, takes the abuse, and continues to go forward. 
He's you don't see Sidney Crosby fighting, and he's the best player in the world and has been for a number of years, because he he's willing to accept what you throw at him, and continue to play his game. So, uh, I I'm sorry, Connor McDavid uh, shows toughness every time he steps on the ice, and I don't think he needs to do anything else. Yeah, I mean, you, you see him. I, there was one play I saw. Hosang kind of bumped him after McDavid yep. had dumped the puck in, and then McDavid turned around and gave, slashed him, gave him yeah. a slash. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, the I, I think it's one of those things when when you, you lose. Well, why 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 didn't they do more of this? Why didn't they do more of this? Um, I mean, I thought the Oilers outright pushed Detroit around mm-hmm. three days ago. Uh, I didn't necessarily think the Islanders won this game because they were more physically intimidating. Well, no, the Islanders uh, only had 15, 16 hits on the game. But they controlled the important areas of the ice, right? They controlled the blue paint. Yep, controlled the house. That's what it comes back to me. Josh uh, Hosang got his first career goal tonight. You'll hear from him when we return. Islanders knock off the Oilers 4-1. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Brand. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. So just a quick update on the other two late games tonight. The Canadians do beat the Canucks 2-1 in overtime. Paul Byron gets the winner. The Ducks and the Predators are just starting overtime. Shots 41-23 Anaheim. It's 3-3. So Anaheim with at least uh, a point. We'll see if they get two and tie the Oilers. Josh? Hosang, number 66 for the New York Islanders, gets his first career goal, helping New York beat Edmonton 4-1. Hosang for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Josh, what's been the biggest thing that you've been able to take away from the first couple of games up here? Uh, the NHL is it's a very good league. <laughs> I don't think I have to say that, but I mean, there's a ton of elite players. Uh, I've gotten the opportunity to play against some of the best, you know, and uh, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, Panarin, Taves, Kane, McDavid, Goodrow, Monaghan, and, and that's in a span of four games. So uh, for me, it's... Uh, it's it's really nice to see the the talent level and and what it takes to be great every night and uh, just trying to implement some of that stuff into my game and uh, you know just uh, just trying to contribute. For you, how much confidence does it give you then to finally score your first NHL goal and after listing off all the players you've just seen over the last couple of games? Yeah, it's uh, it's really nice. I mean. I don't, there's no feeling related to there's no words to describe it it's just uh it's such a relief to score and it's uh makes you feel like you know you, you belong and that you know things are possible you know and uh you know all your dreams are kind of coming true in front of your eyes which is cool and uh for me it's just uh it's a very special moment well you know you really belong when you have the the bomber jacket going on too what was it like with the guys coming into the dressing room after the game i know it was awesome uh, they gave me player of the game because i scored my first, but I think it could have been a number of guys tonight. I mean, Greiser stood on his head. Uh, that's kind of been the story with the Islanders, but, uh, you know, Johnny's line again, you know, two goals. That's, that's what they do, first line. And, uh, you know, we had uh, we had great efforts from everyone. Brock made an unbelievable pass to Ladd, and uh, I think that that's, that's what it takes to win, you know. Where's the buck going to wind up? I have no idea. Probably, uh, probably going to give uh, the buck to my mom and the stick to my dad. <laughs> Josh Hosang, there he is, excited to score his first career goal for the Islanders tonight. Big rocket on the power play in the first period. That was the only Islanders power play. They cashed in on it with Drake Kajula in the penalty box. Oilers 0 for 2 with their bad advantages. 
Islanders win it 4-1. Host uh, saying, uh, you know, sort of built up a reputation over the last couple of years for, you know, sort of saying some uh, non-humble type of comments. <laughs> and, and he takes number 66 as he gets called up. Now, we should clarify, number 66 is not retired by any team except the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Gretzky's 99 is retired league-wide. 66 is not retired by the New York Islanders. It's an available number. They let them wear it, so mm-hmm. clearly. But what do you think about that, Rob? Well, I have nothing wrong with I, – I don't see there's anything wrong with it. I think that uh, – I mean, it, what's the difference between 66 and 72 or whatever as a number to wear? But this is a kid that uh, – there's been a – you talk about a reputation. It's been a very negative reputation. Uh, when he was in junior, the World Juniors, he said some things about not being picked to that team. He was sent home from the Islanders training camp one year. Uh, years ago, uh, he's he's said things, as you said, where he's not so humble in in his words to the press. So when you wear a number like 66 or 99, you're at, you're asking for attention. And as a young player coming up, it's hard enough to make it in this league. And then you add the the baggage that he has. So here we are tonight. He scores an incredible goal, and I thought he was very good tonight. He was dangerous every time he stepped on the ice. Yet we're talking about his past, and we're talking about the number. And it's because of the number we're talking about that. If he doesn't have 66 on his back, we're probably just talking about, hey, this is a really good young player. He's got a chance. So it's just the tension that you draw into yourself, adding more pressure when you just don't need it because there's already enough pressure playing in this league. Yeah, it, it's, it, it is interesting. It just draws attention to yourself. Uh, I mean, clearly there are several numbers retired here in Edmonton. Um for the numbers that aren't retired, I, I mean, I wonder if somebody if, if somebody asked for 94, if if that would kind no. of be frowned upon. You know what I mean? Well, it, it, it would be different, I think, if, if he was in Pittsburgh, because there'd be no way. Well, if it's retired, yes. so you wouldn't so, even ask. But. but, I mean, I don't think, I mean, it's a few, well, a number of years ago now, I'm just dating myself, Brian Lawton gets drafted in the NHL number one overall. Mm-hmm. He goes and takes number 98. Right. Just silly. It's like, what, you got enough pressure, you're number one overall, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Why would you go and take 90? Because you're just about as good as Wayne. So now everybody that plays against you, they want to give you an extra shot just for you being stupid. <laughs> so that, I just don't think you need to add that to uh, to what's going on in your life as a, as a young hockey player in this league. Simply go out and play the game. Whatever number the trainer gives you, put it on and be proud. Predators and Ducks still in overtime. Nashville just hit the uh, goalposts. They've actually had a few chances here, but haven't been able to finish it. So Predators and Ducks, 3-3 in OT. Uh, Cassandra in our newsroom will have the update during the 11 o'clock news. I hope she's listening so she remembers to put the update in her uh, in her newscast. The Oilers lose 4-1 tonight. We have additional uh, post-game interviews on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. And the next game for Edmonton, Friday, home to Pittsburgh, 5.30 face-off show. The puck will drop at 7. The team, Rob Brown, best remembered for playing in his glorious NHL career. <laughs> it was fun. Pittsburgh's a great town. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Troy Bowler is our engineer here at Rogers Place. 4-1. Islanders win it tonight. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line from the Terry Ferranis Team Broadcast Center. Have a great night, everybody. 